0: We have an anchor that keeps the soul. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. I think first and foremost we have to understand that salvation is in Christ. Now most people, religiously speaking, in the world around us, They will admit, as do we, that salvation is appropriated in Jesus. They would turn to passages like John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. They might appeal to what Luke records in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved they might appeal to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 10, when Paul said, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Where we, however, differ from many people in the religious world, is we look at what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and we want to try to honor that But most folks, by and large, as I said a moment ago, they will admit that salvation is in Christ. But when it comes to how to get into Christ, that's the rub. I want to first suggest, in order to enjoy salvation in Christ Jesus, we have to believe in the Lord. That is absolutely mandatory. Now, on Pentecost Day, the people who were assembled there, did they believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Go back and look at verse 22, Acts chapter 2. Peter said, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved or attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him. Listen to what he said. In your midst, as you yourselves also know, had many of those people who were assembled in Jerusalem on Pentecost Day had they heard Jesus preach from time to time? No doubt about that. Do you think that many of those people had the opportunity to see firsthand the miraculous work of the Son of God? I would assume so. Now you remember in John chapter 7, verse 46, John said with regard, John records, No man ever spoke like this man. Peter said that Jesus had the words of everlasting life or eternal life. So they had heard Him preach. They had seen His miracles, and Jesus said in John chapter 5, the very works that I do, He said, they bear witness of Me that the Father has sent Me. So Peter here says that God had approved of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had certified or authenticated His claims by miracles, wonders, and signs. They were done in the midst of the children of Israel. And as He said, as you yourselves also know. So did they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the answer is absolutely. They knew who Jesus was. They were convinced about the Son of God. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, look at verse verse 36. Peter said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. To designate Jesus as Lord is to say that He is the one who reigns and rules In an individual's life, to designate him as the Christ, that simply signifies that he is the the Messiah, the deliverer, the one of whom the prophets of old talked about. And what Peter is saying is that God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah, he was the divine Son of God. So, first and foremost, we've got to believe in the Lord. But then, based on what Peter said, that belief is followed by repentance. Well, repentance of what? Of sin. Didn't Jesus teach in Luke chapter 13, except you repent, you will all likewise perish? Most people in the religious world will tell you that you need to repent. They understand the magnitude of belief. They would certainly believe in and teach the importance of repentance, a walking away, a turning away, from a life of sin. But then note if you would, not only are we to believe in the Lord, but Peter said we are to be baptized into the Lord. He said, Repent and and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The Greek preposition, ice, for, as used by Peter here, has become a battleground among many people. There are a lot of religious folks, there are a lot of people that will tell you that this word could better be translated because of. As a matter of fact, I've got a commentary or two in which that's what they espouse. 1,750 times in the New Testament, this Greek preposition is used. Every single time it points forward in direction. It never looks backward. So, religiously speaking, when people say that baptism is not necessary to be saved, that it is not essential to enjoying forgiveness of sins, my question is simply this. You mean to tell me 1,749 times the writers use this preposition and they're always looking forward in time, but with, in this one exception, they look backwards. Does that make sense to you? Now look if you would, hold Acts chapter 2, And go back to Matthew chapter 26. I want you to see something. In Matthew chapter 26, we have the exact same phrase used by Jesus with regard to the shedding of His blood. In Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many, listen to Him, for the remission of sins. Why did Jesus die on Calvary's cross? Because our sins had already been forgiven? No, the Lord Jesus died on Calvary so that we might enjoy looking forward to in scope the remission, the forgiveness of sins. And so again, when you think about being baptized into Christ, now when we talk about the terms of admission into the kingdom of God, this is not church of Christ doctrine. It is Bible doctrine. It's what the Bible teaches now you think about, I said a moment ago that Peter and the other apostles, they had been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Would it not stand to reason if there, were, if there were some other terms of admission into the kingdom that we would have a record of that in Acts chapter 2? Would it not have been a perfect time for Peter and the other apostles to say to those people on Pentecost Day, as we so frequently hear from those in the religious world around us, if you want to become a child of God, If you want to be among the saved, here's what you need to do. Bow your head with me, accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, and recite this prayer. Is that what Peter said? Listen again. Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Peter was speaking by the authority of Almighty God, wasn't he? Peter told those people exactly what God wanted them to know in order to appropriate salvation. Now, when they were baptized into Christ, Peter said they would enjoy the remission of sins. How would they enjoy the forgiveness of sins? Oh, they'd contact the blood of Christ, wouldn't they? You see, they, they believed in Christ. They were baptized into Christ. And by the way, Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, All authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Did the Lord Jesus know what He was talking about when He said He that believes, number one, and is baptized, number two, shall be saved, number three. Now, don't you think it's, don't don't you think it odd to hear people talk about how much they love the Lord and how much they appreciate His Word? And then when we take A subject like baptism and the fact that Jesus said he that believes number one and is baptized number two shall be saved number three and they dismiss it with a wave of the hand can you imagine telling somebody they don't need to be baptized and Jesus said you do can you imagine somebody saying or teaching salvation by some other means than by what the Apostle Peter taught who gave them that authority Who said or who legislated the right to change the terms of admission into the kingdom of God? The Lord didn't give that authority. The apostles, and by the way, the early church, they adhered to the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2, verse 42. When you look at the New Testament, how did people become children of God? Now, what we're talking about tonight, what's right with the church of Christ? I hear people talking about, well, you know, You folks are different. And you folks don't teach what what most people in the religious world teach. Well, that's true. But who's really different? Are we different or are they different in the sense that they teach a doctrine that's not found in Scripture? Who's really different? Peter said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Look over in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8 we have an account of Philip, Going down to the city of Samaria and preaching Christ to those people. Look at it. I want you to see it in black and white. I want you to take my word for it. I want you to read it. In Acts chapter 8, in verse 5, Philip goes down to the city of Samaria, preaches Christ to them. Look at verse 12. When they believe Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now what is the kingdom of God? The church. Jesus talked about the coming kingdom in Matthew chapter 4. John the Baptist talked about the coming of the kingdom. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was interviewed by Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. So here is Philip preaching about the kingdom of God, the name of of Jesus Christ. And note what is said. Both men and women were baptized. Well, why were they baptized? Because Peter said that baptism is for the remission of sins. And in order to enjoy forgiveness, the washing away of sins, you've got to be baptized into Christ. So what is it then that washes away sin? Is it the water? The Bible says that the blood of Christ is what ultimately washes away sin, isn't it? So how then do we appropriate the blood of Christ? Well, we've got to go where it was shed. Where was it shed? In death, John 19, 34 and 35. When we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we then contact The blood of Christ. Well, somebody says, how do you know that? Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3. In Romans 6, verse 3, Paul said, Know ye not that all we who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. So when a person is baptized into Christ and that baptism is preceded by faith in Christ, repentance of sins, confession of the name of Christ, the Bible says... The Bible tells us they enjoy the washing away of sin, don't they? So they believe Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now there are some religious groups that practice infant baptism. Is that biblical? The reason being that in their minds, when we are born into this world, we have been tainted by the sin of Adam. Is that what the Bible teaches Well, the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18, the soul that sins, it shall surely die. Ezekiel said in chapter 18, verse 20, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. We are not born sinners. We are born into a sinful world. Sin is identified by John as the transgression of the law. What sin has an infant committed? The Bible here says both men and women were baptized. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Can a baby believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? They don't have the mental capacity to do that as an infant. Now, drop down, look, at, look further in Acts chapter 8. We read about the eunuch. The eunuch has been to Jerusalem. He's on his way back home. Possible that he was a proselyte to the Jewish religion. He was the treasurer in Ethiopia. He served the queen of the Ethiopians under Candace, and that's simply a designation of her position, much like the pharaohs in Egypt. He's on his way back home, and the Bible tells us he is reading from the prophet Isaiah. He's in a chariot, he's got that scroll opened up, and he's reading Isaiah chapter 53 about the suffering servant. Philip then meets him along the road. Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And what did he say? How can I except some man guide me? The Bible says, he asked Philip, verse 31, to come up and sit with him, that is in the chariot. The place in the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth in his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Now, listen to what the eunuch asked Of whom does the prophet speak? Of himself or of some other man? He wanted to know, okay, who is Isaiah talking about here? Listen to what the text says, verse 35. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. He's reading Isaiah 53 about the coming of the Messiah, the suffering servant. It afforded him the opportunity to begin in Isaiah 53 and talk about the Christ, the Son of God. He could have talked about His birth, His life, His ministry, His death, His resurrection, the fact that Jesus had paid the price for sin. And note, if you would, what is said in verse 36. As they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Could I ask you a question? What verse can you put your finger on where Luke tells us that Philip preached baptism to him? Is that in the text? Not one syllable. But the eunuch says, Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? How in the world did he know about the importance of baptism? Look, if you're going to preach the man, don't you think you need to preach the plan? If you're going to talk about Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, that He died for your sins, don't you think you'd want to tell somebody, okay, here is how you appropriate the benefits and the blessings of the death of God's only begotten Son? And the Bible says, Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. He was immersed in water. Why? So that he might enjoy the forgiveness of his sins. Now, turn over to Acts 16 very quickly. In Acts 16, we have an account of the Philippian jailer. You remember Paul and Silas? They have been in the city of Philippi. They were apprehended, imprisoned. Their feet were fastened in stocks. And the Bible says at verse 25, at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison Awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for light, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That is a profound question, isn't it? It is a pertinent question. All right? Listen to what they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That proves it right there. I mean, all you got to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's That's what Paul and Silas said. Why do you think they told this man to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? This man was a Roman soldier. I would take it to mean that he was a pagan. He needed someone to believe in. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now, note, if you would, the continuation. Verse 32. Then they spoke the Word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Do you not think, it's, do you not think that Paul and Silas sat down with this man and his household and talked to them about the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God? That this is the one that was born in Bethlehem of Judea? that He lived some 33 years, that His ministry consisted of about three, three and a half years, that He said things that no man had ever said, that He did things that no man had ever done before. Do you not think that they would have talked about His death on Calvary, His resurrection from the grave, the fact that Jesus had paid the price for their sins, and that in order to become one of His disciples, to enjoy the benefits and the blessings of His blood, don't you think they talked about being baptized into Christ? Well, how do I know that? Look at verse 33. He took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were, what? They were baptized. Why were they baptized to be saved? Mark 16:16. 16, 16. Why were they baptized to receive or to enjoy the remission of sins, Acts 2:38. Why were they baptized? so that their sins might be washed away, Acts twenty two 16. Where is salvation? It's in Christ Jesus. How do you get into Christ? You're baptized into Christ. Now, I said a moment ago that salvation is in Christ. But we need to see this too. Not only is salvation in Christ, salvation is in the church of Christ. Now, when I say the church of Christ, I don't want you to think about the church of Christ, as a denomination. I said earlier today that the church of Christ is pre-denominational. It is non-denominational. It was not founded by man. The foundation of the church is not upon man. It's not upon the teaching of man. It is upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not just the foundation. He is the chief cornerstone, Ephesians 2, verse 20. Everything rests upon Jesus Christ. The church is regulated by the authority of Jesus Christ. So we're baptized into Christ. We enjoy the benefits of the blood of Christ. Salvation is in Christ, but it's also in the church of Christ. All right? How do I know that? Well, let me just share a couple of passages. Go back to Acts chapter 2 again. In Acts chapter 2, Peter has told those people to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Verse 41, those who gladly received His Word were baptized. Look at verse 47. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Would you say then that the saved and the church are one and the same? That's what I would conclude. How then did they become saved? They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were baptized into Christ. And they were added to the body of Christ. Now you remember in John chapter 3, Jesus said, except you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God, except a man is born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. In verse 7 of John chapter 3, Jesus said, marvel not, I say to you, you must be born again. It's not optional. It's not up for debate. It's not think so, maybe so. It is an absolute. So why then are we baptized into Christ? Number one, to contact the blood of Christ. Number two, to be added to the body of Christ. Look over, if you would, in Acts 5, verse 14 very quickly. In Acts 5, verse 14, the Bible says, "...and believers were increasingly added to the Lord." Believers here is a synecdoche, a part for the whole. Okay, how then were the believers added to the Lord? We'll go back to Acts chapter 2 again. "...those who gladly received His word were baptized." The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What did they do? They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were baptized into Christ. They contacted the blood of Christ. They were among the saved, the redeemed, the cleansed. I said at the onset of our study tonight, the church of Christ is right in salvation. The Bible teaches that the saved are in Christ and they are in the church of Christ. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to read this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Mark it in your Bible if you don't have it marked. In verse 13, Paul said, By one Spirit we were all baptized into what? One body. What is the one body? The Bible says He is the head of the body of the church. Colossians 1.18. The body and the church are one and the same. The saved and the church are the same, Right? All right, Paul said, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. When we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. Look at verse 20. Paul said, now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Look at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. What did we say the body is, the church? Could we substitute church in place of body here? Now you are the Church of Christ and members individually? Yes, we could. Why then do we need to be a member of the Church? Now I want you to think about something. Our time's almost gone. You will hear many, many times across this country, those who preach and teach on the radio, on television, in other places of worship, you will hear people say, number one, if you want to become a Christian, all you need to do is receive the Lord Jesus into your heart, recite this prayer, you'll become a child of God. They will say, you don't need to be be worried about being a member of a church. You can have a relationship with Jesus, but you don't need to worry about organized religion. There was a movement some years ago that said, Jesus, yes, the church, no. Well, what does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches that the church is just as much a part of God's scheme of redemption as the Christ was. You can't separate the two. To be in Christ is to be in the church of Christ. When I talk about the church of Christ, I'm talking about the church that belongs to Christ. You remember I said this morning, the word Christian. The suffix on Christian, I-A-N. Somebody said, I am nothing without Christ. I think that's good. I-A-N simply means belonging to. Those who have been baptized into Christ belong to whom? They belong to the Lord. They belong to His body. So with that in mind, look at Ephesians chapter 5. When you hear somebody tell you, you don't have to be a member of the church to go to heaven, I would encourage you to kindly direct them to Ephesians 5, verse 23. Listen to what Paul said. Don't take my word for it. And by the way, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, Paul said the things that he wrote were the commandments of the Lord. Paul is writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What he said is divine truth. Verse 23 The husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is what? He is the Savior of the body. Can you be saved outside of Jesus Christ? No, you can't. No more so than you can be saved outside the church of Christ. Why? Because salvation is in Christ, salvation is in the church of Christ, not in the church of Christ denomination. But in the church that belongs to Jesus Christ, it is His blood-bought body. He bought it, He built it, it belongs to Him. And since He bought it and built it and it belongs to Him, then we need to honor His terms of admission. Look, if we do something other than what the Lord said, we become something other than what the Lord said, don't we? Think about that. Look, what we're talking about tonight is absolutely imperative. It's imperative that we understand this. Why? Because we're talking about salvation. We're talking about the souls of people. If I tell somebody something other than divine truth, look, it may sound good. It's not going to save. Only truth will set people free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If I tell somebody to do something other than what the Bible says, I need to take my shingle down. I don't need to be preaching and teaching. Peter said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We're going to be judged on the basis of divine truth. When we stand before God on the day of judgment, we want to make sure that we have honored what the Lord has said, don't we? We want to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied by Your name, by Your name cast out demons, by Your name done many mighty works? Were they religious? Absolutely. Had they made great sacrifices, I would in no way counter that. Have they labored under the illusion that they are serving the Lord? You better believe it. But what did Jesus say? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because they didn't do the will of the Father. Look, what we're talking about It's biblical. And so when we talk about what the church of Christ is doing right, we're not trying to win an argument. We're not trying to be arrogant, condescending in no way. But we're trying to say, look, this is what the Bible teaches. And when it's all said and done, that's all that matters, isn't it? Now, if we want to go to heaven and we want other people to go to heaven, don't you think we need to point them in the direction of divine truth? I really think this is important. What's right with the church of Christ? On the human side, are there improvements that we could make? Yes, sir. Don't deny that a bit. On the divine side, it is perfect. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll, Fastened to the rock which cannot move, Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.